Hey, everyone, and welcome to the world's okayest entrepreneur, the podcast for the okay entrepreneur who's just figuring it all out on the fly. Today, Larissa and I are sharing a conversation we had during one of our recent pre-roll sessions. And in this conversation, we talk about life-work balance, creating the products we love, and finding fulfillment in the work that we do. I think you'll find this conversation insightful. I think so often we talk about life-work balance, but we don't talk about fulfillment enough in the work that we do. So let's jump right in. It's actually technically why the term salary exists is because they know that you will be thinking about work all the time and that like you can't just be billing your boss because you're like, oh, I had an idea pop into my head. I'm going to bill this. So that's technically whenever it's like your job requires so much thought. Yeah, and that's technically why salary started to become a thing. It's because they needed to be distinctions from very physical work, which is very like you personally are doing it versus this just like mental thing, because it is such a constant thing. Like anybody that's on salary on my team is I know they're just thinking about this thing all the time. So, yeah. So how do you get away from that? How do you get away from the this feeling that I have all the time where if I'm not physically doing something that I'm not working, even though I know I'm. I know that like I could be sitting somewhere for four hours thinking about a project or going through creating a solution for something. And I know that that's work or writing emails doesn't feel like work for me, but I know it's work. I actually, I guess, I don't know. I broke that, got away from that kind of a while ago. I think partially for me, because I have so many people that can do the physical work. And I knew that it wasn't until I was allowing space to do the mental work. It's kind of called an EOS. It's like called the clarity breaks and everything. But like Joan, so my director of operations and I, we were just doing an event. And I mean, we were talked about so many things that are going on in our business right now. I mean, like before the trip started, I was, we were about to hire four people and now on the return we like workshopped it up place down down like all the way and like now we're only gonna be hiring like one and a half people Mm -hmm. but I think that's because we allowed time for us just to kind of like process and think like what could this look like and how could it be different and everything right so yeah the thinking and it's like I think it's the thinking and it's like thinking about allowing space and time for you to process is this what I want because everybody's telling you this is what I want or this is what I need, but it might not be what the company needs, you know, or it might not be a good use of your resources. Like one of them was that we were about to hire production and receiving person. And we were like, well, we're going to have to do that. And the manager at the moment is going to be out on medical leave. And I was like, so we're going to have to train in this brand new person. I was like, why would we do that? We have a system of contractors that are already trained in skilled like we don't have to find new people like our contractors make it so that we have to work a bit ahead Mm -hmm. but it's a simplification because it's like you could either train in a whole unknown person that you don't know and that is a ton of time energy and resources and honestly when you ever train in a person they're not fast you know right or you have an entire network of like 10 people over here that are trained in know how to do stuff it's just that you've got to get a little bit more ahead on your calendar but that's like simplification because i already know i can trust this process and i already know that it's happening so why would i complicate it and i think that's like we always think that it's to simplify is actually really fucking hard because it's like if you feel like you just add on 
the adding on is going to be the salt, but I actually think it is the deletion that is actually sometimes the better salt. Right. I mean, I feel that way right now, even when it, in our company is like, we have all these SKUs for things. And I'm like, why do we have so many SKUs for, for these bags? Like, well, do we have to have all these colors all the time? Yeah. Or can I just pair this down to like my five favorite colors this season? And I think maybe that's why some companies do it. Otherwise, there's just other reasons they do it financially. But I feel like for me, it would be for me to enjoy the products that I'm making instead of trying to like have, you know, three items that have 25 colors per item. Like mm -hmm. you could pair it back down to five and then you're only dealing with 15 SKUs versus 75. Yeah. I mean, I totally got in that rut, but of like, I just had to add on and add on like with wholesale and everything. And just, I mean, it became like, we are still like, we're cutting down this product catalog, but there's so many brands that you actually know, like I love that brand, No Works. And those are limited edition prints. Like you get it that one season and then it's gone. And it's like training your customers then. And I think that has huge value to train your customers. Like this is here now. And if you don't get it now, it's going to be gone because it's a win-win for both. I mean, I actually think what's really interesting too is um, the brand or it's the YouTube channel, Yes Theory, but the brand Seek Discomfort. So they're all on demand. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really interesting in products. So they like do limited edition drops and then they print it on demand, but it's all part of actually them being much more of a, their footprint and like eco-conscious because then there's no oversupply. Right. They're only making what truly people want. You have to wait a little bit more, but they spin in a really kick-ass way, which is like, this is great for the environment because there's no overproduction, which does have like a negative impact on the environment. And then it's actually great for you, the brand. You have to build the thing that's where that doesn't work is I feel like if you're super small. Right. But for them, they've grown into be a very large brand. And so for them, it actually like works out really great because then they get to kind of focus like this is the one big launch that we're doing for this like season or whatever. People get in on it, they produce it, and then they're just kind of on to the next thing. And then they bring it back like they just had Seekers Day, which is then they bring back their best sellers at right. a discount. And that's like kind of cool too, because then if something was so popular, you could then tell people I'm bringing it back for this one time every year. Right. I think that's something I am thinking about in our company too, is how do we make something more special instead of building everything out, have this huge inventory? How do I train yeah. my customer to think that when they get something, it's not always available and it has to feel special to them. And I, I sometimes think to myself like, man, I wish I could just be a company that says, I'm going to do a limited release of these 10 items, get them while you can, and then kind of create that like feeling of kind of that feeling of that it's more special than just always available. Mm -hmm. Because I I think that that's hard because as as a brand that's already kind of bespoke in a way, mm -hmm. how do you kind of lean into that bespokeness and get people to think your items are as special as you do? Yeah, I mean, the how do you become a brand that does that? You just start doing it, yeah, and, start doing it. and training your customers. But the thing is, is that I think that any strategy is going to take time to implement. Right. So it's not going to be like, and I think that's in the world where we live in right now, where it's like, if you implement a change, you want it to be an immediately positive one. I think that anytime like you start changing a core way of how you operate, you've got to give it a bit of time, but set a calendar date, you know, but kind of commit to it, you know? Right. Um, and I think that's where if it truly works for you in that financial sense and everything like that, like we were just talking, you know, where simplification is the hardest thing because what could very much so happen is you do that mm -hmm. because it is the first time that you've done that 
as a company, you know, with your current size customer base, you know, you're going to be like, oh, nobody wants this. So I'm going to go back to adding on more and more and more. Whereas you're going to have to kind of train your customer to do it like this. And I think it's also like when you said that instantly, I was like, if I was to do that, I would totally do it as a collab for my first one. Right. Like really kind of introduce it in this new collab-y kind of way. And then you can kind of then come in with like the limited color groups or whatever. Like So seek discomfort. All of theirs are collab-based releases, but they have their essentials. Right. And the essentials are always available. Mm-hmm. But then the uh, special ones are only like, I think it's like maybe four or five times a year. Yeah, we had in our company, we had our top four essential colors that we had in all of our bags. And then we started adding the colors and it became popular. Then people wanted like we would add a new color as like somebody requested it. They were like, "Ooh, we have this we have this event we're doing, but we need all green bags. So all of a sudden we brought in a colorway for green and then it was orange and then it was yellow and then it was red. Yeah. And then everyone is has been trained to know that those are exist. But I've noticed as I'm running through our inventory and trying to get to a point where we're bringing our bags back down to kind of this like core sample select few that we're the doing. The essentials. The essentials, essentially. We, I have had to train customers in a way, but even they re- are returning customers. If I'm willing to give them a bag, they're still like, okay, I guess I'll do that. But like, I want, like, I really wish that orange bag was still in stock. How do I get that? And I'm always like, well, it's not in stock right now, but you can get a black bag. And they're always like, okay, I'll get a black bag. Yeah. So it's like, generally speaking, your customers will reciprocate if you tell them that's all they have as an option. But if you give them all the options, they will try to take all the options. They'll try to take all of the options. And then it's almost like analysis by paralysis a little bit. Like it's too many. I mean, we experience that a lot in our company as all the time. People are like, I want this in silver. Right. And we used to do that. And then the sales just weren't there. People ask for it. So we kind of call it this thing like people ask for it, but they don't really buy it. Right. One thing that we might... We're going to test out. So we just launched our fuck ring. We already did extended sizing, which was a really great thing that somebody on my team advocated for. Because originally, totally for me, I was only going to launch with six through eight. Mm -hmm. Just because I was a little like, it's an untested product category for us. But like very much so, the team was, we tried to be a brand of inclusivity and you know, it's, it is, it's really great to launch something that has more sizes available. So we ended up doing four through 10 in sizes available for us. And it was interesting because the data actually was uh, sizes seven through nine were the ones that sold the best. Interesting. But what we actually are going to do now is we're kind of like, should we then do a size 11 for right. ring? So what we're going to actually do is just add on that category on our website, but do it as a sign up for in-stock notification. So like kind of it's like your back-in-stock notification, but sign up for what's... And that's going to be our way to gauge if this is truly a product that people want because then they can get themselves on an email list so that if we choose to then implement this product, then we will know that this is... These are all people that have said, I do want to buy it. More than just like the one person that's saying it, you know, and it does have to tip to a certain point where you are saying like, there seems to be viability in this wanting to be a need because people can just ask for it. But like, I think there is a lot more intention to say like, I'm giving you my email. So when this is available, I'm ready to buy. Also, then you also have a way to reach out to those people because it is a little tricky when you like some you're at an event and then somebody's like, I want this color combo. And you make that color combo and you're never going to see that person again. Or like you are like, I made it, it's on social media. And they just like, due to the algorithm, gods might not look at it that day. Right. In our guest book at events, if somebody asks me for something that I don't have or that I'm going to be making in the future, I always tell them to put down their 
their email and I write after their email what the product is they're looking for so that in the future I can I can add them to that giant list of people who's been requesting that thing because patterns start to form and you know yeah. that everyone's looking for that giant bag. So I will email you when it's ready. And yeah. That's always how it goes. Yeah. We're saying these things, but at the end of the day, the majority of the time, I don't think it's worth it to implement it unless the demand is so... So high. It's so high. Like, I mean, I'm about to now this quarter, my project is to figure out how to do flat backs for the company because holy cow, I am like literally the universe is smacking me upside the head. And so I just need to do it and figure it out. And yeah, but I mean, I think that's where it is, is like, if it's just one person, we just don't, don't do it. Honestly, even if it's five people, don't do it. It's not until the universe is saying like, I like everybody is like, this is the product I fucking need. That's when, it, you know, I would do it. Right. Because it sometimes feels like even if five people tell you they want something, there's still a hundred people who are buying the products just fine. It's kind of like that when you get criticism, it's like yes. the one piece of criticism you get helps define like all the, like the 500 that you've got to be like positive criticism, but the one person fucks it up for everybody else. I think it's, yeah, it's actually called, it used to be when I was in teaching, they called it the one to 10, but now because of the digital era, they actually call it like the one to a hundred. So yes, it is the one person that is saying I need this but there's the other 100 people that are totally fine so I would say until 100 people have said which I have gotten 100 people or more that have said I want flat backs that's what I'm doing but I would like for silver like no it still is not like you know in certain products it's not it's still not going to happen right that's know? how our that's how our browser crate and 45 crate came to light is we had so many people at fairs asking about our crates and saying hey do these all fit records and they're like oh yeah of course these all fit records and they're like well what about 45s and I was like what about 45s and they're like I have this huge 45s collection but nothing to put them in they always just kind of like get tucked between the the 12 inch LPs so finally after getting basically 100 people asking us about 45 fives i made this crate and then it ended up the browser is one of our top sellers huh so it's like you do have to listen to the crowd a little bit but it's but it needs to be deafening i think that's oh yeah the thing is like because if you only always listen to the one person that's when you're complicating and not simplifying right i've made that mistake as well oh all the time because it is it's like you want to please your customer 100 very understandable like the only way for my business to survive is happy customers not entirely true but <laughs> you do need happy customers, but that customer not, might not be your customer. Like I've always also made for so long, so many mistakes of like trying to make everybody happy. Right. And the, to the detriment of my business because it overcomplicated everything. Right. I mean, I think that's why w listening to one customer who wanted this one thing and promised that it would sell so much. That's why I'm sitting on like 50 of these like ugly green bags right now that I just don't want to sell. Because yeah. I'm like, I, it doesn't match anything we do, but it's, it's the ugliest green. <laughs> and we haven't sold it. It'll probably just end up becoming a scrap project that we do. I know. It's just... I understand it. People want to give you feedback. That's just in human nature and everything like that. But it is like, you also want to have to want that product. I think that's the other thing too, is like, I've so often designed things based off of customer feedback, but I'm not proud of that product. And you're the person that has to sell that product at the end of the day. And I mean, that's the biggest rule is that you need to believe in your product. And so like, if I don't believe in it, then why am I even making it? Right. I mean, I had that I had that re relationship a little bit with our berry box because it's such a pain in the ass for me to make that I don't really want to make it, but everyone wants it. Yeah. So it's like, that's more my problem than the customer's problem. But then there's another product that I really love making. It's super easy to make, which is our 
wooden lunch tray. Yeah. It's like a beautiful, it looks like a yeah. plastic lunch tray, but it's made of a it's walnut. It's super fun, yeah. And it's super fun, but nobody wanted to buy it. And I was like, well, is it because it's $100? I was like, because that's what it's going to cost to make. Like, I can buy a slab of walnut for $100, like a cutting board, but nobody wants to buy this thing that's even cooler. But I think that's where I, I'm always kind of torn between the things that I like to make versus the things that the customers really want. And so when I present a project like that and they don't want it, then I'm kind of like, well, why do I, why would I, mean, I keep making it? It's true too. It's like you will design stuff sometimes that you fucking love. And it's just as you that fucking loves it at the end of the day. I mean, and that's totally fine though, too, is like you willed it into the universe and sometimes it just doesn't have product market fit, you know, but because what is the alternative is that you just have this thing that eats at you and your soul all the time. At least you made it, you willed it into the universe and you're still proud of them. At the end of the day, are you still proud of the product? Oh, totally. I, I love when people come over and I actually get to pull them out and make a charcuterie with them. Yeah. So then that's like super special and everything. Like, you know, we always need to honor as creatives that started businesses is like honor you in the process. Right. Like, I'm going to launch a collection here that I think half of my team thinks I'm crazy for. Uh -huh. It's a pickleball jewelry collection. Um, I'm so excited to launch it. And like, because like, yeah, like a good chunk of my team doesn't play pickleball or whatever, but like, I just see it and I'm going to launch it and I'm going to will it into the universe. And it could, it could be the, ne it could be the next thing that takes our business on the hockey stick growth, you know? Oh, absolutely. Otherwise it's just another product that we launched and it did okay, you know, which right. is okay. Yeah. Okay. Everything's okay. Everything is okay. I mean, that's the thing is, is like, you should do it because you're creative. You launch this product you love this product you know and then yeah every now and then when you get 100 people that say like i want this as long as you it doesn't like eat at your soul then i think it's fine if it does eat at your soul but it really brings in like a boost to your company or something like that then i mean i would just like if you are the maker of your brand i would then maybe that's the time that you figure out the manufacturing of it because it i think it's always like looking at products sometimes as like what does this afford me? Mm -hmm. I think yeah. that's always an important mental like construct to do. Like we have a very popular knife necklace right now that I'm probably also going to need to redesign. But, and the reason I have to redesign it is just like people are a little upset. And I don't actually think I can get around this is the knife is made in China. If I design my own knife, it's also going to be made in China, everybody. I just have to be very, like, that's who manufactures knives. Like, I'm not a knife manufacturer. I don't really think there are many knife manufacturers in the USA left, you know? No, and I think that's actually the whole, the thing about China is you turn over anything that's made of metal now, and it's either made in India or it's made in China. Yeah. I think that's just the way it is. It is the way it is. And I would have to say from working with manufacturers from both countries, I actually, like, China, is, they know how to make stuff. Their economy figured it out. And, like, I think it's getting a little bit less, but like all of our factories that we work with over there, it's like very strategically vetted. We kind of make sure that they have certain certifications and everything. So, and also like ease of communication and all of this kind of stuff. But yeah, so we're about to make this like knife necklace and everything, but we were making them all in house. And once you've made like, I don't know, we've made like 3,000, 5,000 right. of them. Like, yeah. Does it bring me joy anymore? No. Does this knife necklace afford me to offer health benefits and PTO and all of this to my staff? It does actually. So it's one of those tricky things where I'm going to redesign it so it feels a little bit more authentically us, but I know that it gives me a runway to do those things because if I didn't do that, then I wouldn't have that runway and that's extremely stressful, you know? Mm -hmm. It's always like a little bit in the business. It's like the, I always love it when you introduced me to this framework, which was like, is it a net positive or a net negative? This yeah. knife necklace in my company is a net positive. I'm not saying it is like the best, like, you know, it's 
positive, it's pure, there's no faults of it or whatever, but it affords me something that is overwhelmingly positive for my business. And so now I just kind of have to figure out a way that make it so I'm even more in love with it. Right. Which is actually, I'm going to put like a skull on this like knife and just like, it's just so like, I'm like, part of me is like, is that even, is that too morbid or is that too macabre? And then I'm like, no, it's just the perfect amount. No, no, I think it's good. It's good symbolism. I know. And then I was like, I don't mean like go out and kill people. No, of course not. No, no, no. It's just always funny. This is where you get into the product divide. And then I think that's where you just have to will it into the universe. Like, cause it is, is like, you will also overanalyze your product and it might just be that I said it to you and you instantly were like, no, do it. And so that's kind of where I feel like other people are going to be like, no, instantly do it. So sometimes you just got to get out of your own fucking head and make the product and will it into the universe. Your customers will, they'll let you know if it was like a, it was a miss, you know, they're like, ooh, skull in the, skull in the knife. I don't know if I like that. Or it might make people feel a little bit extra dangerous, you know? Yeah. I think people like to ride up against that line a little bit. I think they do. I actually think that it's, um, we've kind of noticed like for our customer, like we just did a big customer deep dive and it is like our customer is very much so like they, it's actually interesting. We did a, our marketing person did a very huge customer audit and it was very interesting, like with the data we got back, but my company is kind of in a transition phase right now, but it is very much so who we're also going after, but it's the career oriented millennial. Yeah. And it's interesting because it just is in this world right now where it's like the word career oriented is like, I don't know. I I don't know if I feel like it's under attack or not, but I just know every single person that I meet that I like, it's the career oriented, their goals oriented. They're like, I want to do stuff like they're not like, I just want to sit on my couch and let life pass me by. You know, it's funny that you're talking about the career oriented millennial because I think millennials got that, that essentially that name that you just said or that yeah. that ethos that was like, sit on your couch, just let the world go by. I think there's so many millennials waking up right now and being like, I either need a career change. I need to start a career. I need to do something else with my life because we're, we're all kind of seeking that comfort or seeking that less chaos. Yeah. Basically in a way. Well, it was interesting because the like the survey came back with their career oriented millennials that also want work life balance. And I was like, I think I personally really fight against. I don't like the term work life balance because I creates an illusion. I feel like people should really be going after like fulfillment. Right. Fulfillment. That is a, that's a good way to put it because this goes back to how this conversation started with salary. It's like, you kind of always will be talking about work or thinking about work. So you can't create really a life work balance unless you just find a way to be fulfilled in what you're doing. Yeah. And I think that's where it's like, if that was the narrative that started happening is that, are you living a life that you feel fulfilled in? Mm-hmm. Cause that's really like what if work-life balance could totally be that you're working, you know, just a straight up 36 to 40 hours a week or whatever, and you've got all this time, but if it's not fulfilled, is that really what you're chasing? Like if it's just like, you're just sitting in a malaise or whatever, like that to me sounds, I'd much rather just feel like I'm fulfilled, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think the money part that goes in with that, and this goes back to the hourly, hourly worker, the, even the salary worker is that if you know that that week's salary is going to take home X and that's what fulfillment feels like. And you feel like the work that you've done doesn't feel underappreciated and you feel like you've got a good salary coming in from that fulfillment. I would be happy to be thinking about the work I'm doing if it's fulfilling. And if, and on top of that, if I'm getting paid what I want to. Yeah. And I think that's like, I hope that everywhere we could just change the conversation to like that level of fulfillment, because I think the narrative work-life balance is 
complicated because I think what we're really trying to say is that 100%, like just what you said, I want to be compensated well, but I want meaning and fulfillment in what I do. You know, I mean, it's detrimental to everybody to be working over an excessive amount of hours and everything. Mm -hmm. But I think what at the end of the day, people are really trying to say when they say that is, is that I want to feel fulfillment in all parts of my life. Yeah. You know? And that could take perspective, though, too. I think you have to find you have to find fulfillment in what you do and not focus too much on the negative aspects of it as much. Yeah. Because I think we can all get into a rut of where we're, we something that used to be fulfilling is no longer fulfilling. So, for instance, like with the necklace you were making, the necklace was super fulfilling to make for the first maybe 100. Yeah. But once it got up to that 3,000, you're like, I do not feel fulfilled no. making these necklaces anymore. Somebody else has to do this. Yeah. I mean, and then that's... I think that is. And that's just like figuring it out. I mean, and like, yeah, I think I'm just going to stop there. I think it like, it just is like, no matter what you're doing in your business or if you're an employee somewhere, I would think that's like the biggest thing to always ask yourself. Is it the product that you're making or whatever? Is this fulfilling me? And or what does this afford me? Yeah. I like that. I think those are two, they're two, they're two parallels. Like I always do prefer, I hate this like binary, like this, it's either this or that. Like, I think those are like the two paths like that you need to kind of, is is this fulfilling me? You know, because maybe it's like, it is fulfilling you, the lunch trays, you know, but this other product does afford me this. Right. And so I'm going to keep on doing this until maybe I do find, I mean, that fucking North Star, which is like, this product fulfills me. Mm-hmm. Like, I can talk about this product until the end of time, and it affords me to do this, you know? Right. But you're not going to, like, find those all the time. So you kind of have to find that. I mean, I think about it, it's, like, the same as, like, a musician, you know? Do they, like... <laughs> I mean, I just, like, saw, like, Lana Del Rey, and I'm like, do I think that her singing Summertime Sadness fulfills her anymore? No, 100%. Does it afford her stuff? Yes. And it's the same thing with any product-based like person. Right. Hannah recently had a similar experience when she went to a concert and the headliner was just wasted yeah. on, on stage. And they actually put him out there earlier. And she goes, I wonder if he he has to get wasted before a show because he's so tired of sing, singing the same song he's been singing for like 25 years. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I wonder how fulfilling that really is anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think so that's like where everybody goes through it and everything like that is like, is so even fulfillment or balance, like I don't think it's ever going to be like, ah. Uh, a slam dunk, you know, like you're always like 100% I'm freaking fulfilled and I'm doing this and everything like that. But at some point, you know, sometimes you get to, you have to do the things that afford you to do the things that allow you to be fulfilled. I don't think you should. I think there's too much opportunity out there. Like if it's more, if you hate like your job, like you truly like are having like, you hate your job or you hate your product or whatever. Like it's a very physical reaction to it. Right. That's, a, that's a, like a warning sign or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. but it's like every, like there are small compromises. Like that's, that's normal. That's life, you know? I know for me personally, like I, for sure, like when I was in my younger twenties, had a job that I very much so like physically was like, I hate this job. I also had to wake up at like three in the morning to take a bus to go to the airport to work and everything like that. And the manager was a terrible human and stuff. But yeah, but it was like a very, you know, like, then I would say there's so much opportunity out there. Go do something else. Right. The grass is probably greener. The grass is 100% greener. I think that's what's interesting is like people... Yeah, are just always afraid of change for the better. Like the unknown is worse than the known, but I think the known of it slowly killing you, I just, I fight against that so much. Like I just think the unknown has such great opportunity in there. Right. 
I agree. So yeah. And that's where we're going to end this yeah. episode of fulfillment and product and everything. And I think it was kind of fun. So yeah. I'm not mad about it. Not so, mad yeah. about it. So I yeah, if you enjoyed kind of this more random episode, do let us know. Email us at hello at theoksepod.com. Uh, make sure you like us on Instagram and TikTok. And yeah, please send us suggestions on future podcast episodes you would like us to cover. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll talk to you all next time. <laughs>